Christy Rhodes, you going to scream? I, you know, I thought about it for like a hot second. You did. I was like, <laughs> yeah. There it is. That's what we need. <laughs> it's always there. It's always there. It's tradition. Thanks for downloading this episode of Backstage with the Civil Church Podcast. My name is Evan, and we are here with Not Scott. Upgraded to co-host Christy Rhodes today. I like that. Hi, everybody. Hi. Thanks for coming in. Glad to be here. And our guest today is Corey Joy Craig. Corey, you played with us a couple weeks ago when they hear this podcast, and you shared a little bit of your incredible story, and we wanted more. We wanted to follow up with you, so we brought you on today. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about you, your family, what you do now for a living. Well, I am the band director at Benton Intermediate School. Well, uh, one of two. I actually have a co-director with me this year, Leah Jones. She is fantastic. But I teach fifth and sixth grade, fifth grade recorders, sixth grade beginning band. We're rocking and rolling, having a great time going into my ninth year of teaching. Taught at Herndon Magnet for four years. Band, guitar, piano, and show choir. Okay. All the just whole a thing. Things. My yeah, mother-in-law taught things. kindergarten at Herndon for like 20 years, Lisa Kruger, but oh I think she goodness. retired probably yeah, five, six years ago. <laughs> That's all right. So there you go. Herndon. My wife went to Herndon. I didn't know that. That's awesome. That is awesome. So I, funny story, when I lived in Slidell, Louisiana, before I moved here, I tried out for band. You could get in band in fifth grade. Oh, that's awesome. And I got trombone and I was going to play trombone in fifth grade. And then we moved and they didn't have it here when you were in fifth grade. You'll wait till middle school. Mm-hmm. And then I played alto saxophone in Cope Middle School Band. <laughs> yeah. And not terrible. to brag, I was first chair sixth grade recorder at Russian Middle School. <laughs> wow. Back then, junior high. Hot cross buns. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> killed it. <laughs> and then first chair clarinet in seventh grade. Boom. And then Ooh, I shifted yeah. to singing after that. Changed this. So I was the second to last chair, and the guy behind me was really bad, and I was horrible in honor band, barely made it in, and just dropped the saxophone after eighth grade. Oh, you should have done trombone. Oh, you look man. like a trombone That's, player. I, I'm going to take that as a compliment. Ways. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure what that means, but we're just going to move on from that. So being a band director is a part of your story. You got into music at a young age, and it really was a hugely informative part of your life. And that's what Mm -hmm. we kind of talk about today because, man, you talked and did the video for us before you played, and it is a lot. (laughs) It's gone through quite a bit. Mm -hmm. You have quite a story, and I think if you've seen that video, if not, we'll put a link in the show notes. You can watch it on YouTube. We've got it on there. We shared it with church a couple weeks ago. But you... You had a tough childhood. <laughs> you had a lot yes, going sir. on when you were a kid, and music really helped kind of bring you out of that. So start with a little bit of your childhood and kind of set the scene for everybody. If they haven't seen the video, if they don't know, what was your childhood like? Well, it was uh, definitely not your typical childhood, especially in Southern California where I grew up, where everything's gold and they get to do everything and and travel and, and shop. But um, my grandmother owned a condo, and so she allowed my my parents to live there and have us kids there. And um, as they started popping out more kids, they started not being able to afford to take care of us and, and got more busy uh, with their own personal lives and had a lot of conflict in their marriage, and it started overflowing onto us. So I grew up in a very, very abusive, uh, pover- impoverished home where... How many siblings? Uh, there was six of us that were taken out my mom was pregnant with a seventh one. Oh my gosh yeah there was a lot of us <laughs> and so um by the time i was age five and my sister my older sister was six uh we were taking care of our younger siblings we were the moms and mm. had to change the diapers and and make the bottles and make the food somehow lots of lots of cereal yeah <laughs> with roaches we had to pick out but we had lots oh, of fruit loops i'll man. probably never eat fruit loops ever again in my life nothing against them they're great yes, but, but <laughs> it's a bad connotation 
question for you. Yes. Yeah, I have so. a seven and a four-year-old, and I cannot see them right now taking care of anybody, barely <laughs> taking care of themselves. So that says oh, a lot about you that you stepped up lot. to do that, right, and have yeah. to figure it out. And when I was one and a half, um, my older sister was three, and there was a newborn, and I had called 911 accidentally. Uh, my mom was out, wasn't wasn't home. Dad was working. We were just by ourselves, and 911 came because there was these crying babies on the phone, and, and they saw the conditions we were living in. They took us immediately into foster care, or not into foster care, but uh, this group home called Orangewood Children's Foundation. And where in Southern California were you? This is in Orangewood. Okay. Um, so it was right, not too far from Disneyland, right oh, yeah. around the street from Disneyland. <laughs> and um, and uh, they, it was this, these really cool dorms that they had on campus. And um, they had ages like two to three, newborns, uh, 10 and 11 year olds on these different dorms. So mm. at that point, we didn't know anything. I don't remember being in Orangewood yeah. <laughs> when I was that age, but my parents definitely used it against us saying, hey, you don't want to go back to Orangewood. So-and-so came back with a broken arm and so-and-so came back with bru- bruises. So you do not want to be in Orangewood. So wow. they'd use that to um, make us try and clean the house every time there was home visits. From that point on, we had home visits that they they scheduled every uh maybe twice a year they just call a week ahead saying hey we're gonna be coming over to check on things make sure everything's okay that was social services yeah and and so when they called we shoved everything under the bed shoved things in the closets uh, uh, got in the the sink the, our bathroom sinks and tried to clean ourselves up because we didn't have toothbrushes or toothpaste or you know the toilets were backed up so we used the bathroom the tub as a toilet half the time so it's just oh it was a crazy yeah. <laughs> was a crazy time thinking about it you laugh about it right but I know that's a <laughs> lot to go through and so you're growing up in that environment and then you kind of get a little bit older and finally you end up not being with your parents anymore right talk about that that's right I remember there was one really big um argument with uh, my brother Anthony his previous name was Jason before we got adopted but um my uh he had broken a very expensive glass uh hamster bottle my mom loved just hoarding uh rodents rats (laughs) hamsters mice and not taking care of them but she just would adopt them and um somebody gave her this glass drinking bottle my brother broke it and uh she chased after him meant to grab his shoulder but grabbed a hair and yanked it yanked it back and ripped hair out of his head Mm. and so we shaved his head we went back to school somebody reported it the neighbor also reported screaming from next door i think they did often but the police probably just didn't come (laughs) so um so finally they came unannounced and i was home i didn't like being at school because the kids would make fun of us since we were all dirty and gross and smelly Mm. and awkward we never hung out with anybody so we were very very awkward and how old were you then Uh, i was 10 i was 10 and so police finally came over i was taking care of my little siblings mom i think she was in her room playing on the computer um and they they saw everything and started getting us us ready to go. There's more into that. We don't have time, but um, they took us away in a in a fire truck, a police uh, car, and something All six. else. Yeah. yeah, they waited for the other kids to come home from school, and um, my when my sister hid because she knew, oh no, it's about to go down. We're about to go back to Orangewood. We don't want to go back there, and. Um, and my mom gave us a hug goodbye and said, I told you you should have cleaned everything. This is all your fault type type stuff. And I remember wow. that vividly and yeah. freaking out. I should have done better. I should have I should have done better to take care of my siblings or clean the house or 
just do better. But we went to Orangewood and it was fantastic. It was yeah. like another Disneyland. I had a hot shower with soap for the first time. They gave me a toothbrush. I didn't quite know what to do with it, but <laughs> we got to brush my teeth. I had clean clothes. I had a fresh bed. Oh my gosh. It was the best feeling ever. And I felt safe because mm. um, my parents were very abusive and would, would beat us up a lot. So it just, it was the best feeling in the world. And so, Moving on from there, um, I, I went into two foster homes. Lots of stories there. Won't go there because <laughs> I want to talk about my awesome band directors I had. Um, so uh, in my second foster home, I was able to be with four of my siblings. We were split. And in the second foster home, uh, did sixth grade. I actually did sixth grade recorder because everybody had to do band, choir, recorder. Yeah. And I just was you know came in late so (laughs) they put me in the general music recorder class and I I just loved it and ate it up and felt felt good about reading the music took the book home taught myself how to play play music done anything with music before Mm -mm, no that was your first introduction that's right I taught myself how to play the little mermaid (laughs) have a lot of fun with it (laughs) (laughs) so um and then the next year happened I this is where we got to actually pick a real elective for seventh grade. We, do you want to do health, Spanish, robotics, choir? I think they had home ec. Um, and I want to do art. I wanted to do art. During my whole foster care experience and before um, in my biological home, our family bonding time was watching Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> Sailor Moon. Uh, level 5,000. Yes. <laughs> 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 Chrissy don't know. You know they no, have, they Jackson right. Rhodes a st- stack Dragon Ball Z DVDs in his room this nice. week as we're cleaning up. He is a big fan. Woo! That's awesome. <laughs> that got that was our our family bond. That was the only positive experience I remember <laughs> in my biological was Dragon Goku Ball. bringing you together. That's right. <laughs> um, so I drew. I drew a lot. I drew Pokemon. I drew. Uh, all kinds of anime, horses, dolphins. That was my escape. So I wanted to do art. But they had no room in the art class. They always have room in the band class. So they threw me in band. And I had no idea what I wanted to do. Because I didn't know what a band instrument was. Didn't know anything about uh, a saxophone or a tuba or a trombone. What's that? So <laughs> so uh, my mom said, play saxophone like Kenny G. And I said, all right. Hey. I'll do that. Went back to class. There were 16 alto saxophones signed out, uh, four tenor sax, and nobody on baritone. I didn't know what anything was. I want to be different. I want to help. I want to be unique. I'll play Barry sax. And it's a huge instrument uh-huh. for a middle school kid. Oh, yeah. And I was a I was a tiny old thing. We were very you know malnourished. So I was like this skinny old tiny thing. So I, the, 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 this is a coffin of an instrument as yeah. big as I was. <laughs> and I loved every minute of it. Because my band director, Daniel Robbins, he, um, he, he had a saying, whatever's going on in your life right now, we're going to ball it up and throw it out the door because right now it's music time. Mm. We're going to learn. We're going to work hard. And you have to do this because the person next to you is counting on you. We're only going to play as good as the person next to you. That's right. So, um, so I I took that seriously. I took that to heart, and I I, I focused and and I learned all the great things he he taught us, and and would go home and practice two hours a day because I was going to get it. Yeah, <laughs> and I loved it. Whereas I, on the other hand, had a log <laughs> to practice, and I would fake my dad's initials that I had practiced and mm-hmm. done stuff. And- mm-hmm. 
Didn't really do it. You That's hear right. that, Kevin Rabin? The, you hear that, Mr. Rabin? Did you have Mr. Rabin? Uh, no, it was, uh, oh my oh. gosh, it was, yeah, this was Cope in like 1998, so it's been a while. Oh, he's, yeah, he's not that old. <laughs> yeah, not that old, but. <laughs> I apologize. That's right. I'm trying to remember now. You put me on the spot. I think, because Mr. Fairbro was airline, but I can't remember my middle. I'm going to come to me in a second. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. There's not as much an impact on my not life as yours, clearly. unfortunately. <laughs> But that is a great chance because we've been working with teachers. We've been trying to help schools. We've been talking about educators with the series, buying stuff off the list, helping them. You just don't know the resource and what will help a teacher to make that connection with a kid that's going through mm-hmm. something. So, Christy, we brought you on today. Yes. You were not a band nerd necessarily. I was not, but I love the band. That's right. But you switched oh, to the, the choir. choir. I did switch to the choir. So talk about your choir experience and kind of in your life for a minute because it well, had another positive impact in the direction. Yeah, it has everything to do with a teacher and her her name was Deborah Mullinex because at Green Acres, I had been to Russian, my parents divorced. We moved uh, to North Bossier and um, really didn't, I didn't know anybody. Kind of the same thing, was put in recorder, I will band for seventh grade. Gotcha. And, um, you know, enjoyed it. I, I, my mom played band in high school and so I just did the clarinet and it was kind of like the recorder. So I picked it up pretty easy and then, but I just knew it really wasn't like where my heart was. I mean, I knew I, I loved to sing and anytime I had the opportunity to stand in front of friends or my family who would let me sing, I would do it. So Deborah Mullinex is the teacher who really changed my life in a sense because um, airline had the troubadours, which was their choir and they didn't allow freshmen in, but my eighth grade year, they put a note up at our school and said if anybody wanted to audition, and she came over, and me and another girl named Felicia um, auditioned. I sang Beauty and the Beast, uh, Tale as Old as Time. Beauty. That's right. And, um, and she told me yes and gave me an opportunity, and the next opportunity she gave me once I got an airline was she pushed me out and I sang a solo in front of the whole school of Ooh. The Lion King. We did a whole broad, like Broadway's The Lion King before it was on Broadway when it was just still a fresh movie and a VHS. Um, <laughs> Fun story. We went to I a remember half, that. Yeah. We went to a half price bookstore and uh, Nora has never seen a VHS in real life before my seven year old. Yeah. And we pulled one down and showed her and she's like, this is weird. Yeah. But, and, but uh, and we actually watched that. Uh, we found that videotape. My mom actually like had filmed it at nice. school because p- kids would pay a buck to get out of class to watch choir. Um, and that's what's our big fundraiser for the year. But that was the first time I sang in front of like anybody outside of my friends and family. And she drove that. She mm. was like, this is what you're going to do. And then she kept giving me opportunity after opportunity. She, uh, taught me how to breathe and, you know, laying me over books, how to use my diaphragm. She was with me every step of the way, you know, trying to teach me to be the best singer I could be possible. We went to, uh, Carnegie hall when I was a junior in high school mm sang at Carnegie Hall and there was an opportunity for a solo at the end and she pushed me to uh try out for it in the hotel in New York and was like you can do this and I was like I think you're crazy we're in there with like you know 300 kids wow and it came down to me and a girl from Tennessee and at the end the girl in Tennessee got it but I mean she was like do you realize what you did though I mean, like you, you put yourself out there. And so I did it till the very end. And she ended up just like Justin gave me a little scholarship to the old Bossier <laughs> Parish Community College. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. I just uh, didn't follow all the way through like I should have at the time. But um, but I'll never forget her. And she's come to both of our uh, Wonder at shows that we've done now. Oh, that's cool. Still in touch. And, yeah. yeah. And I always try to make sure that she knows that like truly, if it wasn't for her taking a chance on me, 
you know, when I was a kid and then her continue to push me for four years. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know how that would have turned out because really it was, I don't have a story like yours, but I did, uh, take a wayward path. Um, <laughs> you know, the end of your high school, the career, end of my yeah. high school career, uh, Aww. wasn't as, as a bright shining light, but, um, but it was choir that kept me going. It was the, you know, I had to make the grades to dance and to sing. And I was like, so that's what was my full focus was focusing on what I had to do to be able to do those two things. So, and what I think so cool too is you had no idea that years later you no. ended up working at a church no. singing. <laughs> <laughs> Still to this day, I think God has, he's, he's so funny. He is. He's got jokes, but you know, and then uh, <laughs> maybe not a teacher, but you know, Chip Mitchell, I was working. I, I worked as a para for, um, gosh, eight years. I wanted to be a teacher. I've always worked with special needs children and I was, uh, a pair at Central Park Elementary at the time and Linda Mitchell who's Chip's mom would have Chip come run stuff or our music programs I ran the choir and the drama department there and uh, it was Chip who found me and got me into simple church and so I still to this day the full circle moment of how <laughs> music and and connections and relationships and school and teachers have truly molded where I am today Absolutely. How God used them. Right. It's exactly right. That God uses those things. He doesn't Mm -hmm. cause the bad things, Mm -hmm. but he's constantly working for the good of those that love him. And even when we don't know what that looks like, we can't figure it out. We don't see, we don't have the foresight. Those little things along the way help. And being a teacher, being an educator, all those things are a big difference. So, Corey, you're doing that day in, day out now. (laughs) So, what made you decide to be a band director full-time? Was it the influence that you had when you were in school that band director had on you? Absolutely. Uh, So, Daniel Robbins gave us the opportunity to help each other in class. So I, of course, help the tuba players. Nothing against tuba players, but when you're starting off, woo, you're focused on um, blowing a lot of hot air through that instrument, not quite uh, the music theory stuff. Yeah, right. You just got to get it to work. (laughs) Yeah, they're just trying to get it to work. So as a Barry Sax player, I would help them with their parts, and it felt good. Hmm. It felt so good to help these other kids out, and I was successful at it. And then also all the wonderful experiences you get with band. I finally had friends for the first time. I had a family. I um, got to go places. We went to Disneyland. We went to Six Flags. I've never been to anything like this. So this was um, a really great eye-opening experience for me coming, especially came from where where I came from, because uh, I thought I'd never have something like this. I thought if you're poor, you just have the poor life and that's, that's how it goes. And that's what I was accepting the whole time. And then when I got into this whole new situation, it just... I realized, no, that's that's not the case. It doesn't have to be like that. And so I knew in seventh grade I had to be a band director because mm-hmm. I want to give this opportunity to other kids, and um, especially like me, but other kids in general, no matter what they're going through. And when I was in high school, I, I actually had a wayward path as well. So <laughs> so my foster parents did take us to church. We went to Saddleback Church. Oh, and really? I yeah, didn't know we, that. We went to Saddleback Church. And We're then big some, fans of Rick Warren. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We've read a lot of his stuff. And I actually got to go on my senior trip. We went to L.A. And <gasps> he was walking around. He gave us a hug. And he, somebody had purpose-driven life and signed it. He was the nicest guy oh, in the world. He, yes, he is. And and I won't go into it now. There was a situation that happened, you know, with this crazy kids. You know, we did something. And, and so my parents decided to, to just continue to go there. And and so I was just, I loved being in church. Jesus, I heard the message, Jesus loves you. And, and, and so you... Uh, uh, you should follow him and love him. And so I heard that and caught on fire. Like, yes, uh, God's going to work out things for our mm-hmm. good. Um, 
but uh, but then I, I we all strayed, straight, our sure. whole family mm-hmm. strayed, and then when I went into high school, I was just this weirdo uh, <laughs> band kid, <laughs> yeah, band kid, <laughs> trying to find my place in the world, and and uh, got into the punk group. I got into the um, uh, would we, would you consider Blink One Eighty Two? Oh, punk? absolutely, oh, yeah. loved it. So uh, love. saw him on the Warp Tour. Nice, oh, jealous, Some, <laughs> so jealous. My Blink One Eighty Two story was we weren't allowed to have secular music at my house. You couldn't okay. have anything that wasn't Christian. So I went on a trip and my friend let me borrow the Blink-182 CD and I left it in my CD player. He forgot it. So I hid it behind my other CDs in my CD (laughs) case and still had that album that I probably shouldn't say even on the air the name of it. But I still like some Blink-182 every now and then. Awesome. That's right. So it was um, my junior year of high school. We we had a couple of different band directors in high school because I... We moved from Southern California to the mountains in uh, Central California, right by Yosemite. Oh, wow. Nothing there. We went from, oh, there's a variety of things to just mountains. (laughs) Just mountains. It was gorgeous. Loved it. Um, But everybody lived 20 minutes from the school, and you have to, it's a long commute. And so... um, so it was really hard for a band director to stay up there because there was just nothing, nothing there. And there wasn't a really good established band program. There was, but um, the middle school band director did her best. It's just that fire. And I'm sure we'll talk about later uh, that, that fire of, of music and how awesome it is. It's, it's often um, pushed down by, oh, those are nerds. And right. oh, the, the, that's not a cool high thing school, to it do. Changes for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so my high school band director, uh, uh, Randy Hyatt, he was actually my freshman band, freshman band director, and then we had a different band director, and then he came back my junior year. Um, he was the worship pastor at a local church called uh, Evangelical Free Church, and um, he invited me to come play saxophone for the uh, the worship team. I had I had a great music education in Southern California, and then we moved to the mountains, yeah. and I was one of the best players in town not because I was that great but <laughs> it was just it was uh talent was very 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 different um, group it was yeah. really hard to find <laughs> so so people were asking me to come play while I was in high school everywhere and finally my my band director asked me to come play for worship and I went to the service and it was an Easter Sunday service mm. so you can imagine there's a gospel in your face yeah and I heard that Jesus loved you but I had not heard how desperate need we have of him and us in our sin and and how he did send jesus to die to cover that and that Mm. great love no matter how how gross and terrible and worse our sin is that great love oversees that and we desperately need him and um and that just wrecked my whole mind i thought i thought it was a christian at that point because we had gone to church i did the prayer Mm -hmm. i went to the camps and how old were you now like, at this point, I was yeah, 17. 17, okay. 17. So uh, hearing that message, like I was still getting uh, goosebumps and people being so welcoming and loving and um, and being able to play my saxophone, I, I, I just kept coming back every Sunday. That's awesome. I just kept coming back. I wanted more and more, and I was saved through that. Mm. Uh, just the hearing of the word and worshiping. And I want to give my students that opportunity. You know, if they know how to play an instrument, if they know how to sing, they could be invited to play at their churches. And how powerful would that be for the kingdom as a teacher? Yeah. So that's, 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 I can't say that to my students right. in the public yeah. school setting, right. but wouldn't that be incredible to allow them that opportunity to be saved and to hear the word through music? And I do have students that play in church now. So it just, that's so awesome. It, 
I feel not complete. Like there's so much more I want to right, do. Right, but, but it's on the right direction. <laughs> yes. And Christy, we've kind of intentionally done that with different groups over the years with Simple Church. That you kind of helped to coordinate and bring in and people that aren't necessarily Christian musicians or wouldn't say exactly. they play Christian music, but y'all have a chance to influence them and have a part of being it, around them. Yeah, it was always the kind of goal at the beginning is to take a lot of the unchurched musicians and mm-hmm. bring them into an environment of just love and fun and creativity. Yep. And that it really can be, you know, quote unquote, that simple yeah. for us to sit there, play music and just enjoy time together because sometimes our, you know, obviously our actions can speak way louder than words. And I think about schools and I think about Daniel Scott, who, you know, Daniel and Ted who played with us last week. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I heard him play, my kids go to Benton. And he was just this outstanding saxophone player. And he went out his senior year on the field and played the national anthem by himself. And I just remember being like, I know what it takes to sing that and the pressure that you feel because it's a very important song not to screw up. Absolutely. <laughs> and he just did it with, actually, he it wasn't on the field, he was at the top. And he just, I mean, did it. I was blown away. I was like, I have to know who this kid is. And he comes trotting down those steps with just like so much confidence. And that's because that's what Evan had given to them. I mean, I watch mm-hmm. him empower those kids every week. I don't, who is the band director at, at, um, not me, Benton High School. <laughs> no, not me. Definitely not. Um, and so I just, I could not wait to find a way to meet him, to bring him in because I wanted his energy. And, you know, and he's played, him and his brother have played, he played with his first and his brother came in. But that has been just a true connection story. And now I, I got truly excited last week when Jessica, Who's an, you know who's been with us for years and Jessica's like you just have to meet her you have to know her you she's gonna brighten up the day she's gonna brighten up this whole day and she was right but it's just it's just relationships and mm-hmm. and you know and what you've meant to her and everything else I can, I can keep going on that rabbit That's hole awesome. but I I, mean, I do think about I've, I've had the privilege of singing on the stage for 15 going on 15 years my wow. first Sunday was the Sunday we started every week and um, I think about how many people have touched my life coming through in and out just through music and different instruments, doing those things that I wish I could do or, you know, that kind of stuff. So we yeah, love just it. Listen, I think about like the Star Wars Christmas. Oh yeah, Star Wars Christmas. Orchestra. Yeah. That's the first time and you surprise. played, right? I have a picture. Princess Leia. <laughs> yes. So what did you think when somebody said, hey, a church is wanting to play Star Wars music? <laughs> oh my gosh. I thought it was the best thing ever. <laughs> I played with the prevailing winds and they said, yeah, we're playing at Simple Church on in the convention center. I thought that is so cool. I'm a Star Wars nerd. So yeah. that was just, yeah. what a way to bring people in and take advantage of what's going on in the culture. That yeah. is that is incredible. And that's what we're trying to do. So the 501st exactly. Legion was another thing there is a Star Wars organization mm-hmm. that they brought in like the real R2-D2 and all the costumes. And oh, that was awesome. one of the highlights of we think about for me, the creativity and using people's gifts and abilities to invite them to a church. Yes. And then they invite their friends because it's something they want to be a part of. Yeah. Instead of you need to get yourself right. You need to have your act together mm-hmm. before you step on that stage. Oh, you got to have mean, a certain I brought in the dancers, uh, Ashton right. uh, Hanson, who I grew up with and all of his friends who were popping lockers. And, you know, we dressed them up as stormtroopers. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then the Grinch And again. then we were able to use them at the Grinch Christmas, and those relationships just grew. You know, and these are people who don't attend, and but, you know, they, they want to be a part of something great. And then while they're there, you know, they, I think we're pretty good at creating a fun environment where people can come in, be relaxed, and feel love, and, mm-hmm. and you know, grab a little bit of the word of Jesus, you know. And that's the criticism, I think, sometimes, is we do this fun stuff, oh, and yeah. it's like an entertainment to show, <laughs> churches like that, but the ba- backstage look is we really are intentionally trying to mm-hmm. make it to where 
outside people want to come and try that and then they hear the gospel just like Mm -hmm. for you you were asked to play an instrument and it's not an ulterior motive it sounds like suspicious or shady but it really is that (laughs) you're trying to go and get people to be exposed to the truth by using whatever means necessary and i think the apostle paul did that a lot i think Mm -hmm. that is who he was that he would go into a community he'd start making tents and he'd be in the world but not of it Mm -hmm. and you got to talk to those people and connect with them and music is a great way to do Mm -hmm. that that breaks down barriers that's doing that so you are in that school you're influencing those kids you're teaching them music but at the same time then they have a connection point to you you're able to talk with and influence them and then invite them to things i think it's just really really cool it's exactly who we're trying to be and we're so glad you decided to join in with us to do a little bit it's the best it really is the best i love it that's awesome so now as you've become a band director you started at Hernan. was that your first band director job Mm -hmm. all right and now you've done this now for a little bit what are some things that you've seen that maybe stories kids have told you or any interactions you've had where you've been able to help students in a way that you had hoped you'd wanted to when you became a band director Oh, this, I feel like this is the hardest one to say because right. I don't want to brag about how I want you to brag about yourself awesome for a minute. I am or We're what I've done permission. for my kiddos because <laughs> it's 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 one of those you uh, you don't do it for the glory, you don't do it for um, the big for the, money, that yeah, being or the award. Makes. Well, that that too, but but even just the spotlight. Yeah. Um, whenever I got the Bozier Parish Golden Star Award last year. Um, uh, or two years ago. Whoa, time's flying. Time flies. Wow. That was the first time I feel like people heard, started hearing publicly what I've been doing for my kids. And it felt, I felt uneasy because I'm like, I'm not doing this to tell people, you know. But um, I, because of my upbringing, I have, I, I was a failing student. Well, in elementary, you don't get Fs, but I was right. an unsatisfactory student yeah. by far. I showed up without supplies. I, I, I I didn't show up a lot because I was bullied <laughs> at school, so I tried to stay home as much as possible, and I wanted to take care of my siblings, you know. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I just I hated school. I was really bad at school, 100% bad at school, and didn't have the support at home. Um, Where am I going? What were we talking about? We're talking about how you now are oh, helping kids okay, that yes. maybe have gone through some tough stuff as well because you can understand and empathize in a way that a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So uh, then I was hungry. I was more focused on surviving than my education. Mm-hmm. Um, so how can I expect my kids to learn if they're hungry? Don't know where they're going to sleep that night. Don't know if they're going to have a ride home after practice. You know. So I. I am very sensitive to what they need um, physically. My first year teaching, it was about a month in, and I still had kids who hadn't paid their band fees. And at, at, in Caddo Parish, they have um, they have like a, a money pot for the all the music programs, but it's a certain amount of money, and you can send a request of what you need, but you might not get it till the next year. Mm. So they in Caddo Parish in particular, they the music programs it's really really tough financially. So they have to do a lot of fundraising, and if they can't, then they just have to pay out of pocket. And so. Um, so uh, I, as a first year teacher, you don't get your paycheck until, <laughs> you know, the next month. Right. So you're a month without a paycheck. And then I have all these needs in the band program. They didn't have instruments, supplies that, that we needed. They had some, but not definitely not enough. Mm-hmm. And so I was really asking parents, please pay your fees so I can at least buy their band book, you know, for them. And, um, and this, I had this one uh, mama who had two kids in, in my program. And I called and I said, hey, uh, so uh, do you know about when you possibly could or we can do a payment plan or something? She said, look, I'm so sorry. Right now I don't have a job. We're living in our car. Um, husband abandoned us and, and we're trying to move into grandma's house. We are truly homeless. 
I'm working on finding a job. Please give us time. I, I will get it to you. We just cannot afford it right now. Mm. And I said, look, don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. That's the last thing you need to be worried about. I'll make sure they have an instrument. They have their supplies they need. And um, and I'll make it work. Is there anything else you need? Because that's the, one of the toughest positions you can be in. And she said, actually, we're all sick, too. And we could use soup. We could use medicine. Mm. Anything, anything you got. She didn't ask for money. Yeah. She just said, uh, this is a legitimate need we need right now. And I didn't have much money at the time either. So I was like, okay, all right, here we go. Let's go to Walmart. I'll meet you at Walmart. So she drove her car <laughs> and, and the kids and, and met me at Walmart and I got her what I could afford. I said, I'm so sorry, but this is all I can do. Um, let me know uh, if you guys need anything else. I get paid next month and I'll do what I can. And she didn't, she didn't reach out about anything else they needed, but I made sure they had their, their band shirt, anything that they needed for the rest of the year. And um, watching their story unfold has been incredible. Mm. How uh, she was able to get a job, they moved into grandmother's house, but then they, she was able to move in an apartment and into her own home. And, and, and she would work three or four jobs. I'm not kidding. Those kids pretty much lived in my band room after school because wow. she was just so busy. Or I, I took them home. Yeah. But um, I... Now, like whenever a couple years later, I had gotten sick. I went to to the hospital at an ovarian ovarian cyst rupture, really bad. It was, yeah, yeah, it was it was the size of a softball, and I had about a liter of blood, internal bleeding, and I just couldn't do anything. It was same awful. You know, I've had this. Yes. Isn't it the worst? It's the worst. Emergency oh. surgery happened at work, and within like thirty minutes, I was uh, in the hospital room. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. Mm. So she heard that, and she made homemade soup. Like the canned soup I had bought her and brought medicine for me and took care of me. And that just that was great. building those family relationships and helping. And I, I've I've had kids whose homes caught on fire and trying to help them out. Uh, two years ago, I had a homeless kid. They were moving from motel to motel and I helped them move. I helped them buy um, stuff for their hotel room so they can actually put clothes in and they're not everywhere. I got them cleaning supplies. I, they, they get a lot of what you consider po po people get like the the toothbrush the toothpaste the right. necessities but they don't usually get the help in in cleaning or or stuff to put stuff in like little dressers or hangers to hang stuff up so i helped that family um a lot and i invited them over during the snow beginning because uh wow, their yeah. their hot water was out so they came over and took hot showers and uh, they wanted to throw a halloween party with their food stamps and so i got brought them over and they got to use totally destroyed my whole kitchen but that's okay <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it and took them to the park you know do things that these kids never never could do is i had, I had the the son in my band program and he had a younger sister so they didn't have a car and it's just when you connect with your students like this and offer a refuge and and things that they can get by with or, or just just a sense of uh, relief mm. from the struggles you know yeah I love teachers. <laughs> I mean, really, they, they're in the trenches every day. And right. when you work in the school system and you get to see it, you know, whether it's Title I or it's the top ex, you know, excellent school in Bossier and Caddo, it's the same way. as like they see, they are, they're living in it every day. And so when you take the opportunity to see the need and meet the need and mm -hmm. show that love Get off way. your donkey. Get, get off, off your donkey. donkey. We get off our donkey every day. <laughs> Man, I love it. I love it. That's awesome. And I know you kind of said about bragging, but... 
I do appreciate and thank you for sharing that because it is kind of counterintuitive and normally the people who aren't talking about themselves are the ones that need to more and some people <laughs> talk about themselves too much because that is just a great inspiring story to hear yeah. and you being that teacher and being that for those families is being like Jesus. You're mm-hmm. in there. You're being a missionary to that field of kids that other people won't ever get a chance to reach or talk to. They haven't gone to church. They won't know, but they know you and they know that you treat them with kindness and that you showed them love and they don't forget that. Mm-hmm. And maybe one day some of them are going to be sitting on a podcast talking about you and what difference <laughs> they made in your life because that is awesome. And we really do appreciate you being in there. And I think about my kids. Those are the kind of teachers I want my kids to have. And mm-hmm. it becomes personal when it's your family and your kids. And we all can kind of talk about this big idea of all the problems of America and all the things that are going on. And it can mm-hmm. be just a bunch of talk. But if you actually are going and you're helping one family at a time and then Christy's helping a family at a time and I'm trying to help a family and then all of a sudden everybody's taking care of everybody and then they come back and take care of you when you're sick. It's this beautiful system of we, we think how the church is supposed to be, how That's it's right. supposed to work and how mm-hmm. Jesus created us to be. So you're living that out. We really appreciate it. Any final thoughts? I know you got a lot. You've gone through a lot. <laughs> is there anything else you wanted to say just as you have this chance? Maybe just if kids or parents are talking about music or doing something that you'd encourage them to try to be a part, check it out and not give up on alto saxophone like I did. <laughs> I, I definitely, there's two things I want to say. One thing to teachers um, and especially band directors. Band directors usually are working so hard for their kids and it's usually to get them all those great experiences. And then now we have band directors who are women, which is a great, which is a great thing because mama, I feel like mama bears are, are just the best in organizing and getting yes. stuff done. Just saying, but, um, but it's, it's hard to find that dynamic between family and, and your school family and, and find that balance, um, in that dynamic. And, I a lot of parent a lot of people just push the, I'm, I get paid to work from seven seven thirty to to two forty. That's not all teachers, but when when we're doing a lot, especially as band directors, we really push that, and they try to protect their family life. I hundred percent understand that and get that, um, but I feel like a, as a Christian, you know, we're mm-hmm. called to do so much more, and we can involve our family into. I was gonna say because you have a daughter, and yes, you're showing her now and exposing her to those families and. I think the natural instinct sometimes is we want to protect our kids and mm-hmm. shelter them and keep them from things and see and stuff. But what a blessing to her that she sees now people coming in your home, having a Halloween party, doing these things that she sees how you are serving other people and interacts with people maybe she wouldn't have otherwise. And I think overall it's a win. It's a positive thing. 100%. Yeah. And it's exhausting. Absolutely. <laughs> <And> it's messy. <laughs> it but it's the best. But it's worth it. So it, I just want to encourage teachers and especially band directors to find more opportunities outside of events and concerts to reach their families and to help their students. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cause all those events are great and it's great putting on a good show. It's great doing all that, but there there's something more important. It's the whole person that's standing in front, in front of you and their don't families. Give up. Don't, don't give up. Don't get tired of it. doing good. Yeah. We need that's right. you. And speaking of that, I did want to say, add one more thing as I moved my oldest to college yesterday, who is oh. working on a degree in education Woo-hoo. to become a teacher be coach. in this day and age. And he's had, Great stories and negative stories and all the way through since he's been a junior in high school. He's like, this is what I want to do. I want to teach. I want to be in in middle school or high school. I want to have this opportunity. And so I am thankful for, you know, for the coaches in his life, for the teachers in his life who continue to encourage him Mm -hmm. to reach his goal. And he's he's headed that way. So excited. All right. You said two things. There's one more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, One more. Okay. So. Whenever I have kids accidentally, quote unquote, accidentally put in my band class, or they, there's nowhere for them to go. 
And um, I, I every year I always get one parent that says something like, uh, oh, that's for nerds or, oh, that's, that's not a cool thing or, oh, what is that? No, we need them in something more academic or something, something like right. that. And, and it breaks my heart because they just don't know. They just don't know the wonderful things that music brings to their, their kids' lives yes. and something that's big and it's part of them. that's actually really tough and very academic. You mm-hmm. have to learn how to read another language. And it's something that connects every part of your brain. Sports does one thing. Math does one thing. English does one thing. But when you have to read music and play an instrument or read music and sing, Mm -hmm. oh my word, you are activating so many parts of your brain. It makes your kids smarter. It is it gives them more opportunities than you ever imagine. And I mean, how many uh, 80 year old football NFL football players do you see? I can't think of any. Okay, do you know any eighty-year-old uh, cheerleaders still still doing their thing on the Dallas uh, Cowboys? No, nope, <laughs> but no. I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? They need something to do when they grow old, and not everyone in my class is going to be a professional musician or music educator, but they can connect with the musical world around them. They can worship at church. They'll be able to have a hobby that can stick with them for so, so much longer than just these few years that we have them. So that's giving them a gift that's lasting. And they can get college scholarships too. So that's, that's a perk come too. on, we need, we need all the help we can get parents. <laughs> that is awesome. That's a great spot. Christy Rhodes, any final thoughts? No, I had I, I just really, I mean, I just, like I said, my thoughts have been with Jackson and just exciting that he's going down that road. It's It was actually what I wanted to do and teach. And then, you know, life kind of changed my path, which has been really awesome to be a part of. Um, but, uh, I just am thankful for the relationship that, uh, Jessica brought you to us a couple <laughs> weeks ago that we were able to share the stage together and worship and that you were able to share your story and connect with a bunch of people in the crowd. And, um, I just love that I get to have the opportunity every Sunday to continue to see God work in that way through music. And, uh, so thanks, Corey. Thank you. Thanks thank for coming for on. Thank you for having me. This, Absolutely. Y'all are just so, so wonderful. Well, thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to get new great interviews like this going backstage with the Simple Church. We hope you have a great week. Thanks for listening.